Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the latest edition of Circling the Bases. I'm DJ Short, and I'm joined here once again by Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. We're live on Twitch right now, so welcome to our audience there. And if you're listening in podcast form or watching later on YouTube, we're recording on Monday afternoon. Some really fun college basketball this weekend kind of taking center stage, but also the World Baseball Classic has been thrilling as it starts to wrap up. But of course... We are right in the middle of fantasy draft season. So I'll bring you in here, Scott. I know you're playing hurt here. Not quite a hundred percent, but I appreciate you joining me here this afternoon. Yeah, my pleasure. And you're right. We're, we are right smack dab in the middle of draft season. I was not able to attend Tet Wars in person, but I want to give a shout out to Ron Chandler, who was my uh, option proxy for the mixed league and, and did a great job. I gave him a list of targets and he did not land a player I didn't like. So um, he avoided the guys I wanted to avoid. He got a lot of the targets I wanted. Every player, I'd, I'd given him a color-coded sheet where green players were players I strongly liked. Blue players were players that I was probably ahead of market on. Yellow players were a, a somewhat of a fade, and red players were, please don't come back with this player. And, and everybody he got me was green or blue. So I, he did a great job. I thought he was happy with the result too, but he, he was steered by the players that I liked. So um, he pinch hit for me. It was great. And I just want to say thanks for that. And I'm doing an article later this week on Yahoo called What's in My Wallet. And a lot of my wallet, the players I've drafted a lot of the players I really feel good about this year. And a lot of those players, one of them we may talk about today, Marcus Simeon, were on that Tout Wars team. So uh, for more on that, look for my article later in the week on Yahoo. Yeah, Ron Chandler, not a not a bad backup plan. Uh, I wish the Mets had a Ron Chandler backup at closer. Uh, sure. I don't know if David Robertson qualifies there. Uh, but certainly Chandler is a, is a legend in fantasy baseball. And uh, I'm participating right now in NL only labor this season. And Ron Chandler is in my uh, league, which is pretty crazy because I've been reading him since I knew what fantasy baseball was. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, one of the founding fathers of fantasy analysis and introduced a lot of the methods and techniques that we're using are things that Ron was first to run that he pioneered. So, and just a really nice guy too. And, and a baseball yeah. fan and just, um, I'm happy to call him a friend and, and I'm happy to call him a, you know, I'm going to manage the team from here on out. I told Ron, I said, look, if this works, it's, it's all on you. And if it doesn't work, you can blame me. But um, <laughs> we, had, we had a lot of fun with it. And, you know, I, tr- I tried to, we talk on this podcast, right. About how 
dual ownership. And then again, Ron's not going to manage a team in season, but a lot of times two heads are better than one when it comes to fantasy. Yeah. And I, I think we worked really well together, given that this was a last minute arrangement. We had about a day to put it together. And um, I, again, I was thrilled with the results. Of course, everybody, everybody should like their team to some extent on draft day, what you do with it. That's why you're here, right? I mean, we're going to, we're not, not just going to help you during the draft season, but we're going to help you during the season. And you know, that's why you got to go to Roto world and get the app and all that. Cause you need all this stuff. And the news changes every day, right? I mean, we, we could probably do a show every day if we wanted to, because there's just we been could. so much news mm. generated right now. Yeah, well, two major developments we're going to get to right at the top here. But before we do, a quick word for our listeners. New MLB season, new rules, new stars. So pair it with the Roto World Baseball Draft Guide. Get all the player profiles, rankings, and projections you need to hit your draft out of the park. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash draft guide. And use our promo code, a special promo code here, Pennant25, to save 25% off at checkout. Again, that's Pennant25. Uh, check it out today. We actually today posted our Leveraging the Default Rankings article, which takes Yahoo rankings, but also ESPN, CBS, and tries to uncover some late-round values. I think a lot of the value of a column like that is to point out like the players that are way down in uh, default rankings who you can get in the later rounds who maybe if you're late in a draft you forget they're even there um but you know you can read this article and, and see for each site uh where these players are at i think it's super helpful for sure one of the most uh important articles of the year i back when i used to work for fantasy guru i used to call it the buried treasure article that's what mm -hmm. the brand that we gave it to and I, i'll even give you one of my buried treasures guys who um, showed up on my tout team he'll be in my what's in the wallet piece and he'll fit into the Elvis, uh, I'm starting to say his name, he'll fit into the Jose Altuve news because what do you do at second base? Jose Altuve's hurt. Right. Elvis Andrews is only shortstop eligible right now, but he's going to play second base for the White Sox. So in, in yep. Yahoo uh, language, that means he'll be second base eligible by the end of the first week because you only need five games in Yahoo. Yep. I don't know what went wrong with Elvis Andrews last year in Oakland, but he was a category juice machine in his – 40 or so games in Chicago. I know he's not a big yep. OBP guy and that's, you know, I'll take that ding in tout wars, which uses OBP, but I think he's going to get, I don't know, 10, 12 home runs, 15, 20 steals. He'll play every day. He'll qualify at two positions. He'll probably hit for a plus average. And I don't have his Yahoo ADP off the top of my head, but I know it's low. I, I know he's, oh, sure. in fact, I've been in drafts and forgotten he's available and missed out mm -hmm. on Andrews. I think in TGFBI, he got drafted. I'm like, Oh man, I, I wanted Elvis Andrews. I just forgot to put him in my queue. So uh, right. he's somebody, again, not second base eligible yet, but he will be quickly in Yahoo and in all other formats. He'll have that tag by the end of April. I, I still think he's got a lot of kick left in his uh, early 30s. Hey, yeah. I mean, much respect uh, to him for keeping his career alive as he moves into his mid-30s. I mean, I think he came up in 2009, and, and here we are in 2023, and he's still relevant in the fantasy game. So that's pretty cool. Um, and as far as Yahoo drafts are concerned, you can edit your pre-draft rankings as well. So if you want to bump up some of those guys so, you know, you won't miss them, of course, you could put them in your queue too, but uh, you can change your, your rankings to tailor uh, the kind of players you're targeting. So that's a really useful tool uh, in Yahoo as well. So let's get straight to it. You mentioned a little bit uh, already about Jose Altuve, of course, uh, was hit by a pitch by, by Daniel Bard on Saturday night, and uh, turns out, yeah, he broke that thumb. We don't know how long he'll be out yet. He's scheduled to have a surgery probably later this week. Uh, the Astros are waiting for the swelling to go down before actually, you know, going ahead on that surgery. But 
The early expectations are eight to 10 weeks. The Astros haven't officially said that, but I think, you know, we'll hear it after surgery. Um, but that's the, that's the expectation right now. So we're probably talking June uh, before we see Jose Altuve, which is a horrible blow uh, for the Astros, but also for the second base position in fantasy leagues, which was already thin to begin with. And for the Astros, they're likely turning to David Hensley, uh, Mauricio Dubon. I don't think they're necessarily players are going to going to be relevant in, in mixed leagues, but Hensley's sort of interesting. Uh, he's put up some good numbers in double A AA and triple A over the past couple of seasons. Good approach, good speed. Again, not someone you'd target in a mixed league, but in a deeper format, certainly AL only, I think he's someone to keep an eye on here as spring training wraps up. Yeah, my, my friend Joe Sheehan was talking about the Astros in, in passing. He wrote about the Mariners today. He's like, maybe it's just one of those bad years for injuries with Astros. McCullers already hurt. Yeah, We know Jordan Alvarez has been dealing with an injury all spring. We're not really sure where he's at. Now they lose Altuve for, I, I, it sounds like, a couple of months. And here's the, here's the catch with Altuve. It's not like players like this come back, and I, I expect them to hit the ground running. This is the type of injury where I wouldn't be surprised if his power was suppressed sure. for most of the season. And this is not – I always say that it's not fun to play fantasy baseball like an actuary, but I think you have to sometimes. I'm just not going to draft Altuve unless he falls so significantly that it's absurd that he hasn't been taken. Because I always say that I don't want to draft into injuries because they're going to find me. I'm not looking to find injured players already. And, and it, it's no fun to say that Jose Altuve is a borderline Hall of Famer, you know, and, and he's an all-star. He's won an MVP before. He, he's been a five-category player, and he plays on an offense that we expect to be a plus offense. You want to draft into all those things. But right. my advice right now would be just don't draft Jose Altuve unless it's such a screaming value you can't avoid it. And somebody will probably at some point take the plunge. And, again, it, the problem is just that he's going to miss so much time. But and and then another injury. guy's hurt. And what what happens when he comes back? I mean, you know, maybe yeah. a month in, it's like you know. I think at the end of the year, you can hear him say, "I, I didn't feel right the whole season" or something like that. You know, last sure. year, Alex Bregman, right, came back from wrist surgery. He, he didn't really hit well for like ten weeks. It took him a while. Alex Bregman, the second half was the Bregman we expect. I think he's actually a pretty good value. He's probably the player I'm going to draft the most on this offense this year. But um, again, actuary fantasy drafting, no fun. But I'm not going to take Altuve. So we are going to shuffle up second base. I'm, I'm stealing your term there, Scott. Mm -hmm. uh, and I figured it'd be a good time to do it. Second base, a position which was weak going into drafts, but could get more interesting as more players actually qualify at second base as we get into the season. But uh, just a little aside here about the World Baseball Classic. We know Edwin Diaz injured his knee uh, in a really you know freak injury celebration. Um, he's most likely going to miss the entire season. Um, Nolan Arenado was hit in the hand by a pitch on Sunday. It seems like he's fine. X-rays were negative. Yuan Moncada bruised his ribs in a collision in Sunday's game, uh, USA versus Cuba. It seems like he's going to be fine. Tested negative for a concussion. So I think he'll be fine. But I think it keeps – every time these little things happen, uh, the question keeps coming up, you know, is it worth it to do the World Baseball Classic? That's been a lot of the chatter, especially among, you know, emotional Mets fans, which – is everyone, uh, <laughs> uh, including me. But, uh, you know, is it worth it to do this? Is the risk too great? Where, where do you fall on this, Scott? I come down – here's the best way to say it. I think of my friend Dave Damashek from the Great Minus 3 podcast, and he's been – worked for a million different sites. 
and he talks about living is so much better than surviving. And that, that to me, the World Baseball Classic is living. It's players playing for camaraderie. It's players playing for joy. It's players playing for competition. There's no prize money. You know, there's not. It's not a world championship. It's it's doing it for the love of your country and to want to be around the other guys. And that that interview they did with Adam Wainwright, where they asked him, his wife asked him who his favorite player was on the team, and he ended up going through the whole roster. He's like, oh yeah, I love that guy. I love that guy. I love that guy. Every <laughs> yeah. time a player retires. And they talk to him a year or two later. He says, what do you miss? And they all say the camaraderie. You know, they miss the competition. And then this is what this event is about. Yeah. With all due respect to Mexico, I'm really hoping Japan wins the other semifinal and we get a Japan-United yeah. States final, which would just be unbelievable. I have not been able to watch as much of the World Baseball Classic between being ill for a little bit and, and deal, you know, the NCAA basketball tournament and everything. But I will watch every pitch of the final. And USA-Japan would be fantastic. Although Mexico is a great team, too. Yeah. Again, I, I go back to the Damashek quote, living is better than surviving. And to me, playing in the WBC is living. There's so much passion there. There's so much joy. You know, look at the home, one of the home runs that Turner hit. It feels like he's hitting yeah. one every day. And then he mm-hmm. goes back to the bench and, and everybody's going crazy or that unbelievable celebration scene after Otani hit that moonshot about a week ago. I, I want to see more of that. I Now, there's just no way to bubble wrap these guys. By the way, yeah. while players are getting hurt in the World Baseball Classic, players are getting hurt in spring training. Exactly. Because it's just it's just a fact of life, and the Diaz injury is just one of those fluky things. In a celebration, I mean, you can get yeah. hurt closing your car door. You can get hurt falling out of bed the wrong way. You can get hurt putting a Q-tip in your ear. There's just right. no. What do you want these guys to do? Not do anything? I mean, it sucks that players get hurt. Nobody enjoys that. But to me, I think we should live, not survive. And so I think the World Baseball Classic should be here. To stay. I want to have it every every handful of years. I think it's a wonderful event. Yeah, and it, I mean. Um, they're not major league baseball isn't some, you know, in a, I mean, it's a business. This is a business. The world baseball classic is an event that they're selling tickets for and making money with through television contracts, et cetera. But this is one of those things where in a way, this is the best promotion you could give to the sport of baseball is to have these players so excited, uh, Japan, all these other countries and really advertising the sport of baseball. Uh, and you look at the numbers in Japan, the number of people watching Puerto Rico. I mean, this is an incredibly popular event. And I think for the future of baseball, it's incredibly important to keep this going. There's debate about whether it should be, you know, at the all-star break or after the season, whatever it is. I don't think that this event is going away. It's just much too successful. Totally agree. I mean, you know, it's the it's become what it should be—the World Cup of Baseball. And I think back to this is date myself a little bit. I'm a big hockey fan, and one of the greatest hockey moments outside the NHL was the Canada Cup in 1987 when Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux played on the same line, and the game-winning goal was scored by Lemieux, who was then was you know like kind of the new superstar on the block with a pass from Gretzky. And and Canadian hockey fans will still talk about that as one of the you know five greatest moments in hockey history. You know, or uh, this predates me, but you know, Paul Henderson scoring in the Canada Cup in 1972. Everybody remembers who was alive for it, the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team, the, the American team that beat the Soviet Union and then had to beat Finland in the gold medal game. Of course, it all would have been gotten it for naught if they hadn't beaten Finland and they came back in the third period. Great movie on that uh, called Miracle that everybody should watch or do any of the documentaries. HBO did one. These are you know, the World Cup. Look how awesome the World Cup was a few months ago. We, we saw oh, yeah. maybe the best World Cup final. Right. 
you know, yeah. if some of these world baseball classic deniers, you, you, you don't like the world cup, you don't like and none of those Olympic hockey moments did anything for you or the Canada cup moments. I mean, I don't know, man, we, I'm, I'm all for, but let's get these players in different. This is kind of like the soccer motif, right? Where a world-class soccer player will play for a team, but he'll play for his country and they'll, they'll play in these different tournaments and, yeah, guys get hurt sometimes. It's 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 part. There's no way to take. You can't make sports completely safe. You know, and you you can do whatever you can. You know, there's always going to be a concussion problem in the NFL, and it's always going to be physical and violent, and and we have to try to be reasonable and prudent about it. But I don't know. I think the World Baseball Classic is great, and the people who it's, it's interesting to me. The people who are denouncing it are the people who would like boo a lemonade stand or, you know, who would boo like a little league game. I mean, some of the people who are against everything, I'm not going to name any names. You can probably come up with these people on your own. Those they're the people on Twitter banging the drum hardest of get rid of the WBC. So if they're on that side of it, I'm proud to be against that. You know, you know, it's cool to see Mike Trout playing in games that matter and you can see how much it matters to him to actually have an opportunity to win something on a, on a big stage, which he absolutely deserves. And the fact that the Shohei Otani too, man, he's on a big stage too, and they may be in the final in in another day or so. Oh, that would be, that would be something. Otani might be available in relief. Like we'll see, I, you know, it could be pretty awesome. So uh, let's move on to some more second base developments. Jorge Polanco uh, one I actually forgot about coming into my rundown on the show. Uh, so he has this lingering knee issue, uh, dealt with it toward the end of last season. Um, that discomfort has lingered. He's yet to appear in a spring training game. Now unlikely to be ready for the season. You know, Maybe it's only a couple of weeks, but it's something to keep in mind as we look at the top 12 at second base, which we're going to run down uh, here in a minute. Uh, and the other one I, I want to get to here, which I think is interesting, is Vaughn Grissom, who had a lot of hype during the offseason, expected to take over the starting shortstop job. Of course, Dansby Swanson signed with the Cubs during the offseason, but Grissom was held out of uh, – he didn't start for the fifth straight game on, on Sunday. Uh, so held out of the starting lineup at shortstop. He's back in there on Monday, but the Braves are giving a long look here to Braden Shoemake, uh, another prospect in their, in their pipeline who is the better defensive option for sure. but. The numbers offensively haven't been great. Uh, Orlando Arcia is another option there for the Braves. Maybe Shoemaker and Arcia will will share the job there if they don't go with Grissom. But obviously at this point, the Braves are seriously thinking about uh, maybe Grissom starting the year in AAA. And I think this all comes down to his ability to play the position. Ron Washington put a lot of faith into Grissom, worked with him during the offseason, trying to prepare him for shortstop. But in the end, the Braves just might not think he's the guy. And I, I think Shoemaker's playing so much shortstop recently is just them trying to make sure that's the right call. I wouldn't say that Grissom is definitely not going to be the shortstop on opening day or have a significant role. But I think they're, I think it's a lot more in question than we ever thought it could be coming into spring training. Yeah, I hope Rod Washington told them it's incredibly hard when they get together <laughs> to go over the defensive position. Look, the Braves have so much offense that they can take – and we're in a golden age of offensive shortstops, but the Braves can take an old-school approach to this position and go defense first if they want to and send Grissom down for more seasoning if they deem that appropriate. Grissom, as you said, didn't play for five games. I'd be petrified. I'd be afraid to draft Grissom right now. I, I can't yep. do it. I, I just, there's too much smoke here and the Braves have too many options and they don't need to go offense only at the position because they have so many hitters 
at other positions that if they have to carry a substandard offensive shortstop because he's a good defender, they'll do that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to see Grissom just get a get a shot. Like, let's just see what he can do. But, um, you know, Annalise is going to be super competitive. So I think they just want that shorthanded option at shortstop. And hey, if Shoemaker comes out of the gate and he's hitting like 200 on May 15th, like we're, we're probably going to see Vaughn Grissom. You know what I mean? So uh, we'll see. I, I, it's far from decided, but clearly uh, the Braves are, are considering it. So it's something to keep an eye on here. And, you know, I think Grissom is someone that uh, if you did an early draft was probably drafted in the middle rounds at a position where we thought it was going to be weak. But we're going to shuffle up our second base rankings now. We actually did a second base podcast episode in early February. I think it was the first day we recorded was first base and second base. And that was the first week of February. And here we are, you know, six weeks later. And I personally... I, I've moved some guys around a little bit here, accounting for the Altuve injury, but also other factors as well. So I'm going to start with you here, Scott, because I remember you had Grissom in your top 12. Mm-hmm. Where you sit today on March 20th at second base? Yeah, he's not in my top 15. How, how do you want me to run this down? You want me to start at 15 or 12? Yeah. Or? You can, let's start at 12. Okay. At 12. So at 12, I have Jonathan India, who's part of a Reds offense that I'm trying to draft proactively into a great hitter's park coming off an injury. I think he could be a four, maybe even a five category player. Thyro Estrada is number 11 for me, qualifies in multiple positions, probably parked at the top of the San Francisco lineup. I'm thinking double digit home runs, probably another 20 stolen bases. Brandon Lau, everything went wrong last year. He hit 39 home runs two years back. So I think we can't go too low on him. He's my number 10 second baseman, Max Muncie, another comeback player, big theme at this position qualifies at multiple spots though. We'll have good real estate in the middle of the Dodgers lineup. Maybe you'll use him at third base, maybe use him at second base. I think Muncie has a comeback year. Although I draft uh, slotted Altuve at second baseman eight, don't want to draft him as I talked about earlier. And uh, I guess I'll stop at seven. Glaber Glaber Torres, Part of a fluid Yankees lineup, I think he'll be in the lineup six days out of seven, is my number seven second baseman right now. All right. So for me, it's a, it's similar. Uh, so I have Cattell Marte at 12, uh, looking for a bounce back there in a, in a Diamondbacks lineup, which I think has a chance to be pretty good. Uh, Marte feels like every year it's like back and forth, whether he's good or he's not or he's hurt. Uh, but I believe in what he can do kind of across the board. 11, I have Tyro Estrada. 10, I have Jonathan India. Nine, Brandon Lau. Eight, Jose Altuve as well. Uh, and for me, I, I think when you're looking at the grand scheme of things, you know, the 5,000-foot the view or whatever you want to call it, I think Altuve is probably on the edge of being a top 100 player in drafts right now. Maybe a little later. But that's kind of where I see him at this moment. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I have Max Muncie at, at number seven, low average, but in the middle of the Dodgers lineup, power, RBIs, run scored, that's going to be there. He doesn't run, but I still think enough across the board in a good situation uh, to be very useful, and I believe in the bounce back there. Yeah, I do too. Still young too, young 30s, and I could see him hitting 30 home runs. Uh, as far as my top six goes, and I, I want everybody to know I'm using Yahoo eligibility for this. This may be different for different leagues, which is why my number yep. one second baseman may not be the same as everybody's. But Tommy Edmonds actually a fade for me, but I do have him at number six. I'm just not sure that he keeps the leadoff spot all season for the Cardinals, which is why I'm a little bit reluctant to draft him. Andres Jimenez is my number five second baseman. He also qualifies as shortstop, one of the most underrated parts of that Cleveland lineup. Ozzy Albies, a, a very known commodity somebody we can hang our hat on coming off an injury number four and a really good Atlanta lineup. Number three is Jazz Chisholm. I don't have any Jazz Chisholm yet this year. Really concerns me. We know he'll probably be playing center field most of the year, but I could see a 20 home or 40 steal season very much in his range of outcomes. I'd like to get some shares before the season gets going. Marcus Simeon, I feel like I have on every one of my teams. Really simple. Five or six weeks he didn't hit. The rest of the season he produced like a first-round player. He's actually a top-five fantasy player being drafted sometimes as late as the third round. I think that's a steal. Qualifies at two positions. Go get him. And because Yahoo does qualify Mookie Betts at second base in addition to the outfield, I don't think I need to sell you on Mookie Betts. I realize he's probably in the back nine of his career, but when have you lost money on Mookie Betts? I'd be happy to draft him and play him anywhere you want. You can play him a catcher if you if you want. I don't know. Play him, play him a point guard. Mookie <laughs> Betts is on my team. Yeah, I mean, that's like the cheat code there if you want to put Mookie Betts at second base. Outfield's a little top-heavy this year, as we've discussed, so I think at the very least it would just give you options. But chances are, given the state of the second base position, you would put Mookie in there at second base. Uh, I don't have Mookie in my my top 12, but, I mean, obviously he's the default number one if he's eligible in your format. Uh, Glaber Torres I have at number six. Uh, Tommy Edmond I have at number five, who I haven't really drafted anywhere, but uh, again, given the state of the position, you know, there's a safe floor at the speed. So I'll go with that. Andres Jimenez, who I I have questions about his ability to repeat, but I think he'll be fine and also has a safe floor at the speed. Uh, Ozzy Albies, number three for me. I'm looking at a bounce back com- campaign there. Marcus Semien, I have number two. I'm going to stick with my bold prediction of Jazz Chisholm. When it's all said and done at the end of the year, Jazz Chisholm will be that 20 homer, 40 steal guy who will be drafted in the first round next season. Maybe he won't be as attractive as if he's outfield only eligible. We'll see. Uh, but I think we're going to see a big, big season from Jazz Chisholm. Man, I, I think you're definitely right on there. And I'm, at some point I'm going to do a FOMO draft and just make sure I get Jazz Chisholm. If you're going cheap to the position, I'll, I'll give you the 90210 approved cheap options to the position. One Brendan, one Brandon. I, I'm always confusing which one's the Brandon, which one's the Brendan. <laughs> 
Brandon Drury, like Brandon Drury is not going to repeat what he did last year, but qualifies three positions. I love that eligibility. He will play for the Angels and probably hit in a good lineup spot, not too far down from Otani and Trout. So I'm happy to roster Brandon Drury. Now, Brendan Donovan qualifies, I think, at every Yahoo position, butt catcher, all four infield spots, the yeah. outfield. Now, the question is, well, is this kind of an empty batting average of any category juice here? He's actually shown power this spring. Yeah, he has. And um, I'd like to have Brendan Donovan, especially in leagues where you can get a lot of mileage out of that positional flexibility. You're in a daily transactions league. You're in a league where they have multiple transaction periods per week. It's just so nice to be positionless when injuries hit. And you can take the best player off your bench and put him in there because you have Brendan Donovan to, to float around somewhere, or Brandon Drury, or whoever it is. So there's a couple of cheaper options who qualify at multiple positions, and they're very affordable in Yahoo drafts. So three names I wanted to mention here. While second base looks kind of bleak right now, there are three significant players. And you you mentioned uh, Elvis Andrews, so he maybe he could fall in this group too. Players who were gained second base eligibility, el- eligibility early in the season. One's Ryan McMahon. He's expected to play second base for the Rockies uh, due to the Brendan Rodgers injury. Uh, so he's one to keep an eye on early in the season. He'll get that second base eligibility. I think you'll probably mostly use him at cores, uh, you know, if your league can uh, allows for daily lineup changes. But I like the power there. Nico Horner is going to play second base for the Cubs uh, with Dansby Swanson taking over at shortstop. I feel like I've drafted Nico Horner like 30 times this spring. Uh, he is a, a really useful player and someone who will bat lead off for the Cubs. Uh, I think there's more speed in there. I think he can hit double-digit homers. I love Nico Horner this spring. Miguel Vargas on the Dodgers, too, is going to be their regular second baseman this season, at least as of now. I think that Dodgers infield defensively may not be great, but Vargas is expected to play there. I think he's going to put up some useful numbers as a rookie. So, while things look rough right now, help is on the way. And also remember, we have two batting champs, Jeff McNeil, Luisa Rice, uh, who are there as options to not necessarily, you know, tons of counting stats, but batting average wise, at least, you know, you can bank on that. They're going to be on base. Run scored will be there. Just not sure all across the board if they're all that reliable. Yeah, you mentioned a lot of interesting guys there. You know, Horner is an outstanding defender, which will keep him on the field. And and I agree with you. I think he's underrated. I, I have a lot of Estrada, but Horner is, is very much a similar type of player. And I, yeah. I think he makes a lot of fantasy sense. Isn't it weird to see a team like the Dodgers have as much roster in flux right now? We don't know who their yeah. you know, who their outfield is right now. They don't have a closer picked yet. It sure right. seems like Vargas is ticketed to be the second baseman though. And I think he's been a screaming value all spring too. And it's not quite the Dodgers lineup we've seen in recent years where we, we talk about them in previous seasons as like a top one, top three, top two offense. They're more like a top five, top six offense, and maybe as far down as top 10, but it's still, a, it's still a destination offense for me, even if it doesn't go nine deep and, you know, talk about injuries. They lost Gavin Lux earlier this spring, which was a big hit for them. They thought he would start for them, but I think Vargas has been lost in the shuffle. And, and, and again, I'd like to know who their closer is. I hope it's Evan Phillips who yeah. was on my t- worst team and on a bunch of my teams. And I, I hope he gets the ninth inning. I'm not sure it's going to be him, but uh, a lot up for grabs in LA this year. Yeah. I mean, David Peralta's in the outfield. Trace Thompson's going to have a big role. Maybe James Outman. I mean, Lock there's just too. Yeah. I'm really yeah. hoping it's Outman. I, they, they think maybe Jason Hayward can resurrect his Heyman, career. I wouldn't, I wouldn't Hayward, bet on yeah. that, but um, Outman's the guy I'm interested in the outfield, the cheaper guy anyway. 
Uh, so we're going to get in a couple of weekend headlines before we go. But first, a quick reminder, download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoring players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. So as soon as you draft your team, start favoring these players and track them uh, for injuries in the World Baseball Classic. I'm just kidding. Uh, or spring training. Uh, <laughs> but you got to start keeping track of this stuff, especially if you have closers that you want to speculate on. Like, you know, roles are going to start being decided here. We'll get into a little bit of that uh, as we close out. I can't show. remember if we talked about this. What was your post Diaz take on the Mets bullpen? So it's going to be David Robertson, I, I would think. Uh, certainly, you know, you go from someone who was just nails in the ninth inning, one of the most dominant pitchers in the sport, to now questions. I, I mean, I think Robertson is perfectly capable, but there are going to be days where he gets hit hard and they lose games, and uh, that will be tough. Uh, I think he's the top option. Adam Adovino is probably the other alternative. What worries me about Adovino is he is so easy to run on. It's mm -hmm. like an automatic. And I don't know if the pitch clock is going to make that worse. It probably will, but he's just an automatic. So do you want him there in a one run game? And someone gets on base. Like I, I worry about that. Um, so I think did it he, has to be. Did Adovino have a platoon problem against lefties? I can't remember that. He, honestly, I think he's one of those guys that it may work in reverse in some cases, okay, but okay. I, I could be wrong about that. I, I'll have to double check after I should the know show. That. I should know that, and um, I don't. Remember, too, with just the way Steve Cohen wants to run this team, that if there's any kind of hiccup, they'll try to go out and trade for somebody. And we know when the trading season does open, and that's generally the middle of the season, relief pitching is one of the things because you know there's no reason for any non-contending team to carry a closer or, you know, a, a big, uh, a big money reliever. It, it's an extravagance that a 65, 70 win team doesn't need. So maybe the pirates finally trade, you know, David Bednar, or you know, there'll be, right. there'll be closers out there, you know? Right. I, I mean, mean, Mets fans immediately speculated about Alexis Diaz, who's Edwin's mm -hmm. brother who's on the reds. I don't think that, you know, why would the reds give away a cost controlled young reliever? I, I don't think it's going to happen. So out of, you know, last year, uh, lefties hit him better than righties. So I'm not, not wrong about that. Okay. So righties had a 479 OPS against Adovino last year. Lefties, 837. That's, that's interesting. Um, Brooks Raley is another option for the Mets uh, if the Mets want to play the matchups. Uh, so we'll see. But I, I think Robertson's the, the closer to draft. And, you know, if I had to think today where I would put him among closers, I would put him in the top 20. Uh, but given the uncertainty, uh, you know, and these other guys out of, you know, really might get chances as well. I think it's just he's thrown into that big mess, like after the top 15, 16 closers. That's pretty much where I have him right now. Mets are very good. So maybe he'd, he'd surprise us and, you know, notch 30 saves. But uh, as of now, that's that's where I've got him. What's a good over under, like maybe 16 saves? I would take the over. OK, 20. What if I said 20? I might still take the over. Okay. I, I think I I think he's someone who could take it could keep it maybe until the trade deadline. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. As it always is with these situations, the early appearances will be significant, right? I mean, yeah. if if they if they have the first week of the season and Robertson reels off two or three saves, they'll think, okay, we got this. If he doesn't, if he has hiccups, it's 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 a position where you don't get a lot of leash if you're not a locked yeah. in guy. So he'll yeah. need to convert early, but. 
a lot of times it's a three run lead in the ninth inning against the seven, eight, nine guys, you know, I mean, it's not that hard a job to do if you're just the push button ninth inning closer. So Robinson's a pro, I would think he could succeed in this role. Yeah. I think if I had to like just name a pitcher I see in a similar spot on the draft board, it would probably be like Scott Barlow. Like if I'm deciding between the two of them, I would take Robertson because Robertson's on the better team. I think the Mets can, even without Diaz can still win 90 games um, so just sort of right in that range, I think 16, 17 ish range among closers. Let me throw you a couple uh, other names yeah. just really quick and apologize for making this a 20 minute podcast about David Robertson, but would you rather have <laughs> Robertson or either of the Seattle guys? Probably. Uh, I'm going to take Robertson because I do not know which one will get the most saves come the end of year. I think Munoz like, even if he's not getting saves, he could strike out a hundred dudes and be very useful. It's like getting an extra starter per week on your, on your team, basically. Uh, so I might come to regret that stance. Uh, but I think coming out of the draft, I just want safety. Like closers are going to pop up during the year um, that you can grab. But I, I think Robertson's going to be a lot more secure in this role than it seems. How about Robertson or Peter Fairbanks? I, I really like Fairbanks this year. I think I would take Fairbanks over him. And I know yeah. the Rays always keep us guessing too, but Fairbanks looks nasty right now. Yeah, I think I lean that way too. One more, you mentioned Alexis Diaz, who I think is going to stay put in Cincinnati and certainly be their closer, although they've talked about maybe you using him in the high leverage roles, which means seventh, eighth inning at times. Would you rather have Robertson or Diaz starting now? Ooh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I'll take Diaz. Yeah. But it's I think close. I would too. I think I could see Diaz. You know, he's not quite where his brother's at, but I think he could strike out ninety-five guys. Yeah, I could also see him like totally flaming out and be in AAA in June. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, another injury scare here for the Mets. You know, I think it was like twenty-four hours removed from the Edwin Diaz situation. Uh, Brandon Nimmo limped off the field uh, Friday night. Was in serious pain. It looked really bad. Awkward slide into second base. Uh, but it turns out that Nimmo was diagnosed with low-grade sprains in his knee and ankle the Mets initially called him week to week but Nimmo said that he definitely thinks he'll be ready for opening day you always have to keep athlete proclamations like that with a grain of salt as they are always without fail overly optimistic but certainly seems like things could have been much worse and even if he's not there on opening day Nimmo's absence will probably uh, be a brief one. And I, I wouldn't push Nimmo down on my draft board at all. I, I've largely avoided him in drafts this year because I, I think generally, uh, fantasy-wise, he tends to be a little overvalued because he doesn't run. The power is fine, but most of his value comes in his ability to get on base. So if it's an on-base percentage league, I'm aggressive. If it's a standard mixed league, not so aggressive. But for me, you know, if you're drafting today, I, I wouldn't push him down really at all. Yeah, he's uh, also somebody who I think we have to bake injury risk into his yearly price because he's had trouble staying on the field. A little bit ironic, right? He talked about not being interested in playing in the WBC, that his goal was True. to be ready for the Mets and try to win a World Series title. And then just a couple of days after, he ends up getting hurt. And yep. you're so right about people from your lips to God's ears. You know, when players talk about their timetables, you, man, in one ear, out the other. Because mm -hmm. these guys have been superheroes their whole lives. And the last thing you want to do is, is say, I'm not available. I'm not a quick healer. You'll never hear that stuff. You know, right. a lot, sometimes guys are protecting their jobs or their livelihoods. So 
um, the, the players will give you the rosiest glasses possible and you have to kind of see through that. I moved Nimbo down a little bit, but I'm like you, I was not high on him to begin with because he's just, where's the category juice? He's looking, he's a guy who's going to hit maybe 11 home runs and steal like six bases. And you're hoping his value would come from the, the good lineup real estate that he would have, you know, hopefully he'd bat lead off, maybe he'd score a hundred runs or somewhere in that neighborhood, but it's going to be hard to do that. If he only plays 125, 130 games, I don't think he'll be ready on opening day. I'd prefer, I would take him at my price. I'd have to get it now to, to draft him. So he's a fade for me at the moment. Yep. Uh, next up here, the Diamondbacks sent down prospect right-hander Brandon Fott. Uh, he's not on the 40-man roster, which sometimes at the end of spring training, you know, the 40-man roster uh, is takes utmost importance as all these rosters are being put together. Uh, Fought was reassigned to minor league camp on Sunday, along with a bunch of other uh, cuts. Fought has been a sensation in spring training, really raising some eyebrows. Uh, coming off leading the minors in strikeouts last year, he struck out 15 batters in 12 innings of work in Cactus League action. Uh, Fought was probably a long shot to make the rotation uh, when spring training began, but certainly he's made an interesting uh, case for himself. Uh, however, no, the fifth starter job in Arizona, Arizona is now down to Drake. Jerry Jamison, Ryan Nelson, and Tommy Henry. Uh, I think at the very least, Fought is one of those guys like, yeah, they're going to give a shot to these three other pitchers who are on the 40-man roster, have a little bit of major league experience, but if they falter, I think we're going to see fought really quick. Uh, I, I I think he'll be up by late April, early May. Um, so don't forget about him. And if you have the ability to stash with like a deep bench, I think you should. I think among rookie pitchers, he could be top five most impactful this season. Cosign. And if for whatever reason you can't stash him, you're in a league where it wouldn't make sense to stash him. He's the type of guy you might add on spec the moment he's recalled. And remember, he's 24. So, you know, he's they got to figure he's really close. And because he has such a high strikeout upside and more than ever, especially now with the, with the new shift rules and everything, we want pitchers who keep the ball out of play. And the best way to keep baseball out of play is, is have the, the batter swing and miss at it. So uh, I think he's going to get. 15 or 20 starts in the major leagues this year. And, and I think they're prob- there's a good chance they're going to be fantasy relevant, even in mixed leagues. Yeah. And, and sometimes you see these strikeout totals in the minors and it doesn't translate to the majors, but like his stuff's good. Like he's, he's pretty close to being ready. Uh, I actually took him in NL only labor. I think I put like six or seven down on him uh, in the draft. Uh, I wasn't expecting him to break camp with the team, but you know, as chatter continued throughout March, I thought, oh, maybe I'll be surprised. But uh, I don't think it's the worst outcome that he doesn't make the opening day roster. He's someone we will hear from, uh, so continue to track him. Uh, interesting development here with Juan Soto. He was back from the World Baseball Classic, was playing in a B game on Sunday, and he had to leave due to what's being called a mild left oblique strain. I believe he uh, hurt his oblique when he struck out in that minor league game, just felt a little bit of soreness. Um, They're just calling him day to day right now. And he left the game as a, as a precaution, obviously as close to opening day as we are at this point, no reason to take a chance with one of the best players in baseball, but we know how tricky these oblique situations can be. So what do you, what do you do here with him? I mean, going, if you had a draft tonight, where would you put Juan Soto? Would it affect your ability to draft him at all? A little bit. He'd be more reactive than proactive pick for me. 
And also, even though you don't draft Juan Soto for his stolen bases, remember he didn't run at all once he joined yeah. the Padres last year. And I think it may be make a sense of they may just tell him, look, we don't want we don't want you to have anything to do on the bases. Just play station to station, no running. We need you healthy. You know, even on defense, you know, no, you no need to lay out, don't take on any fences. You know, we need you to be the Juan Soto 435 OBP Juan Soto, the 350 average Juan Soto. Um, I would take him in the second half of the first round. But I would, again, reactive pick for me, not proactive pick. Right. He's been great this spring, too, both in the Cactus League and the World Baseball Classic. Hit a couple of homers uh, in the World Baseball Classic. So hopefully that's a a minor thing, but we'll have to continue to track that here in the coming days. Uh, Final note before we go here, the Rockies signed Jerickson Profar. Uh, Kind of been a lot of chatter about Profar and the Rockies of late. And honestly, a little weird that Profar (laughs) lasted this long in free agency, but you look at all the injuries the Rockies have been dealing with recently. I mentioned Ryan McMahon going to miss the season with a shoulder injury. Randall Grichik started start to the season is going to be delayed. He had sports hernia surgery. Uh, or I think it was in February. Uh, Sean Bouchard needs uh, bicep surgery. Charlie Blackman has a back issue. So they, they just need this depth. And not only does it appear that Profar is going to get regular bats, he's supposed to play left field. But Daniel Allen Tuck of the Denver Gazette writes that they are planning to use him potentially out of the leadoff spot in the Rockies lineup. So player signs with Rockies, automatically more interesting. I think Profar is a, is a fringy mixed league guy, but uh, in course field, good, obviously. Batting leadoff for the Rockies is like double good. Now, the tough thing with Profar is that he's only outfield eligible like those days of him qualifying at second base probably not going to happen but what do you think of Profar now is you know if you are in a mixed league with I don't know five outfielder spots and a couple of utility spots are you drafting Profar he'd be a good guy for the bench he went to one of the few teams where I could see him having a fair amount of fantasy value because he'll get a bump from the park obviously and the Rockies are thin enough that they need to play him Yep. There's a lot of teams, if he had signed with, I know the Yankees were at one point interested in Profar, and I just think that they would have signed him as a bench option, that he wouldn't yep. have been seen as a starter unless everything went wrong. I wonder if the Astros, if they had a chance at Profar now that Altuve's hurt, if they still view Profar as viable defensively at second base, which may or may not be the case. As you say, You know, there's once upon a time Profar qualified just about, he was kind of a Brendan Donovan. He played just about everywhere, yep. although never really a great defender, but he, he was serviceable just about anywhere on the diamond. And man, I'm old enough to remember when Jurisian Profar was the number one prospect in baseball, oh, yeah. which just goes to show you how hard baseball is. He's had a lot of things go wrong. He did. I, mean, I feel like I feel like he had, if you ran his career a hundred times, he had one of the worst possible runouts you could have oh, in yeah. the actual career that he's had. But uh, he is, let's say you're in a 15 team mixed league. I'd prefer to have an outfield where he didn't start for me, but I think he'd be really good off the bench. I think he'd be like a, a really good outfielder six. Sounds like I'm damning with faint praise. I'll squeeze him into the top 80 of the outfield. But that's that's where it is, like somewhere in the 68 to 80 range. So Profar hit 243, 15 homers, 723 OPS, over 152 games with the Padres last season. Also stole five bases. Uh, he stole 10 two years ago. Uh, there's a big, big field there in, in Denver. Good OBP uh, skills, too. Yeah, good patience, contact skills as well. You can see that average going up. Uh, getting on base in front of a, I mean, the Rockies lineup isn't great, but uh, Chris Bryan is going to play right field now uh, with Profar and left. Charlie Blackman likely to be the primary DH. CJ Crones there. 
they have some pieces. Uh, I don't think they're, they're not what they were a few years ago for sure. Uh, but I still think it's a good good place for Profar. And yeah, I think I, I'm I'm aligned with you on on what I'm thinking with Profar here. I think in like a five out, outfielder format, he should absolutely be drafted. But I think it would be nice to have the luxury from week to week uh, to have to to make a decision as to when you want to use him. Obviously, you want to use him at Coors Field as opposed to to being on the road. But I think an interesting one uh, to track here. So Scott, our next episode on Wednesday is going to be over under win totals for the 2023 season. So uh, taking a, a you know a little bit of a break from fantasy. Uh, I love getting into to win total over unders. I don't know about you. Oh, for sure. Straight cash, homie. <laughs> yeah, so we'll have Vaughn Dalzell from uh, NBC Sports Edge, uh, one of our uh, betting gurus, uh, to join us here. And uh, we're actually going to pick our, our teams uh, in a draft format, which we'll, we will do in the next day or so, snake draft. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll be ready for that on Wednesday. I'm going to start uh, crunching the numbers uh, right now. But thanks, thanks for joining me once again, Scott, and see you Wednesday. Sounds good. All right. Make sure to subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review if you like what you're hearing. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Scott is at Scott underscore Pianowski. I'm at DJ Short. Take care, and we will see you next time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.